Welcome to Adventures in Beer Selling, an interactive store time paired with your beverage of choice. Welcome to Adventures in Beer Selling. So I wrote an article recently. I wrote an article for ZenBev. ZenBev is an online platform that allows agencies uh, and suppliers or brands to um, collaborate with contract ambassadors. So uh, an agency or a brand can post a sampling, for instance, an off-premise sampling in a grocery store, into the ZenBev platform and make it available for contract ambassadors. So think about it as Upwork for wine, spirits, and beer, or non-alcohol, or whatever the case may be. So really cool platform. Check it out, www.zenbev.com. Well, I decided to write this article for them, a LinkedIn article, discussing the analytics of grocery stores, especially in the beer aisle. So the name of the article is called Crafting Success. Winning with Reorganization. Definitely check it out. It's on LinkedIn. You can see it on my profile or you can also see it on the ZenBev page. So check out the ZenBev page and read the article. Well, in the article, I talk about the analytics of grocery. Um, First off, think about your neighborhood grocery store. There is so much science that goes into how those stores are placed and set how you're guided through the store. There's so much science to that, that it's amazing. I talked to a good friend of mine who's a manager at a grocery store and he was saying how even the floral section, they put the floral section up front, the smell of the flowers, uh, it does something to your brain. It sets off some kind of endorphin or whatever that says, you know, calms you down, brings your mood, prepares you. Another big thing is uh, milk and eggs. These are things that you, quite frankly, You wake up one morning, I don't have any eggs. You just need to go get one thing of eggs. You go to the grocery store. Where is it? All the way in the back. Why? Because as you're walking through the grocery store, you decide that there's seven other things that you didn't know that you needed, but you got to get it. So they put it in the back so you can actually wander the store. It's it's fascinating how um, there's so much analytics that go into how we shop a quick quote uh, from this is from the grocery store he says rearranging forces you to wander around reading signs and scanning shelves for what you need this increases the chances that you'll end up filling your cart with eye-catching products that were never on your shopping list grocery stores have low profit margins in general so staying in business involves subtly convincing patrons to buy more than they intended to. Well, in the article, I, I maneuver this into talking about resets. Resets was it was a big part of life in, in the distributor world. When I was in the distributor world, we used to do resets all the time with grocery stores. We get a planogram from um, these reset organizers and they're set captains. So most of the big brand distributors 
will usually one of the two will be uh, a set captain. So an AB house that that's a big brand distributor. We're talking about beer here. And then the Miller house, uh, they could be a set captain. Well, the set captain builds a planogram based on different analytics and data that they've received on best-selling items, new items that need to be introduced into a set, um, high-performing items, low-performing items, all kinds of things that they're going to look at, and they're going to determine what makes the most sense and brings the most profitability to the grocery store. This is amazing because grocery stores are really a low-margin business. So, um, Every little thing that they do in the analytics is important. It's crucial because the grocery store wants to make a profit um, off of all of their items. So uh, what I would do as an area sales manager is we would go to the store. We would have the planogram. We would pull all of the beer off the cold box, off the shelf, and then we would rebuild it into the planogram. And it is designed in such a way to increase profitability. But there's a couple of clever things to that. So most cold boxes are done in what's called a profit set. Uh, a profit set takes the most expensive beer and puts it in the premium location as soon as you hit the cold box. So when you turn down the aisle, you hit the cold box. The idea is that you want to put the more pricier items um, leading and then work your way down to the budget beers. It's going to start with the imports that are the more higher expensive beers work its way up into the, I think they're called super premium. So this is like Michelob ultra, uh, um, Bud Light Lime. They're usually like a dollar more than the premiums, which is next, which would be the Budweiser's, the Bud Lights, the Miller Lights, Coors Lights, then working your way into the budget beers. Well, what happened was craft beer threw a giant monkey wrench into this in the early two thousands. And so now at least in Texas, I'm starting to see with grocery stores, you are starting with the imports, those um, super premiums, premiums, then this big section of craft beer. Even though the craft beer, hypothetically, should probably go uh, further up the chain because they usually tend to be a little more expensive. This section of craft beer has just kind of made a zone for itself right there in the middle. Now, think about it. Aisle space, you want that middle section, that eye level section. That's where you want it sitting on the shelf. And then the middle of the cooler, somebody stops. They can look and scan the whole cooler. It's the prime section for craft beer. Craft beer. Because, quite frankly, um, craft beer is, making some, is still making some waves. And what's even more unique about this section is the local craft beer section. So local beer has become... It's really become the backbone of the craft beer industry. When people are shopping, they're shopping for beer that's made right there in their hometown. And for, for a multitude of reasons, you know, um, supporting local uh, efficiency. You know, you're getting quality products because it's right there. Um, it's carbon safe. There's a bunch of different reasons to buy local, but it's really become the backbone of the craft beer industry. So that's kind of the idea of the reset in the cold box. And what I talk about in the end of the article is restructuring your thinking as a supplier and how this can benefit you. So like I said, when I was a distributor, I hated doing resets. It was a lot of labor because uh, you got to take all the products off. You got to put all the products back in. Then you got to redo all the tags. Then you got to put all the tags back up. 
it's tedious at best. But I think what is super um, fascinating about it is you have to be creative in how you can benefit from a reset. So the important reason of why I made this article is because working for a distributor that carried one of the top premium beers, of course we got value out of resets because Anheuser-Busch and uh, Miller, they own a large percentage share of that cold box. So reconfiguring it to chop away some space at Miller or to chop away some space at Bud Light or Coors Light is really important. But craft beer is a little more unique. They have a large section of this cold box that they own, but there's so many options that they're really only chipping away here and there. So I made the article too to show how you can win on these resets if you're a craft supplier. One of the things that helped me was I tried to stay on my top accounts reset schedule. Because if you know when that reset is coming, you can start to strategize on how you can benefit off of it. So one of the examples I give is what if you have a small craft brand and you lose space in that reset? Well, number one, you have to remember the beginning of the article where I discuss the store flow and how they do all these things strategically in the store to get people to spend more money. So if that's the case, look for incremental display opportunities throughout the store. That's what you need to do. You have beer that's coming off the shelf. That beer is going to go to the back room. No grocery store wants that. So you get with your beer department manager and you look for incremental display opportunities to place that all around the store and maximize profitability and build off of that store traffic and that science that they're using to get people to spend more money. What's another thing you can do? Let's say you gain more facings on a, on a reset. What does that mean? Well, think about it. That means you're relevant. That means that the data and the analytics are showing that your beer is powering this grocery store in this beer aisle. So what do you do? You ask for more space. You ask for more incremental displays. Um, one great thing a lot of stores do is they do a runner. Uh, I had a store that used to do it only on the weekends. So Thursday or Friday, they would let the merchandisers put up runners of high volume brands, multi-packs, big pack brands, so they could sell those through the weekend and it would be less less filling of the shelf that they'd have to worry about. Hey, we're selling X amount of six packs. Obviously, you're giving us more facings for it. Let us put a runner of that beer in the front of the cooler. So resets, they're painful, but there is a lot of benefit to utilizing a reset. Let me know what you guys think. Please read that article. It is on LinkedIn. You can check the ZenBev page on LinkedIn and click on the article. The article is called Crafting Success, Winning with Reorganization. And uh, hope you guys enjoy. Please comment, like, subscribe, share. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again next time with a beer in my hand. I mean, this is what this thing is all about. Anyways, you guys have a great day. Cheers.